1 Corinthians 13, love will never fail. That's our chapter this morning. We're finishing up verse 4. Let me read it to you from God's Word. Love is patient. Love is kind. Is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. This morning I want us to think about love not being arrogant. Love not being braggy. That's my word, my uh, word. Word software doesn't like braggy. I'm, I'm adding that to the dictionary. Braggy. Love is not braggy. Love is not arrogant. Uh, acting unloving is showing off. Bragging. Being arrogant. Uh, acting as though you're better than someone else. And just in case you're out there at home or here thinking, well... There's not much I'm going to learn from this this morning. There's not much I need to do with this. Just remember, I have seen most of you at a wedding reception or some sort of celebration. I have seen you get into uptown funk. <laughs> Styling, wilding, living it up in the city. I got to kiss myself. I'm so pretty. Too hot? Yeah. <laughs> Call the police and the fireman. If we show up, we're going to show out. Smoother than a fresh jar of skippy. Now, stop the music, okay? I've seen you you'd love it. I've seen you dance it. I've seen you get into it. Let me ask you a question. Has it made you a better lover? Does getting arrogant and proud, showing up and showing out, does it make you a better lover? And if you say, well, no, not really. Why? Because love is not arrogant love does not become proud God wants us to understand that and be better lovers to be better lovers we've got to learn how to deal with our arrogance we've got to learn how to deal with our pride when we focus on Christ we begin to focus on others that makes us a better lover when we focus on ourselves, that makes us a braggart and arrogant. And it moves us away from the love God has called us to. So let's, let's work on being less arrogant. Let's work on not being braggy. Let's realize love is neither so that we can be the lovers God has called us to be. So how do you do that? Well, first of all, I thought, well, let's, let's just kind of work through some of the things that make bragging and arrogance disgusting if you can develop and build up your disgust for these traits you will be less likely to fall into them because you don't like them anymore so how can we think about that let's think about how arrogance and bragging is disgusting first of all it's a disgusting denial of reality now what i mean by that is Whenever we are arrogant and bragging, we are denying who we really are and who God really is. You remember, I won't look all of these verses up, but Acts 17, 28 says, In Him, speaking in Christ, in Him we move, live, and have our being. We don't breathe outside of God's grace. We don't exist apart from His creation of us. In Him we live. Otherwise, we'd be dead. In Him we live. We move about. We have our being because God is gracious to us. A braggart is somebody who denies that. 
Or you remember the words of Christ in John 15, where he says, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. A braggart denies that, that they are in need of the grace of God. To me, it's like the rich kid that disgusts you because he's always bragging about being so cool and so rich. Why is he disgusting? Because you know he inherited everything he's got. And that's what disgusts you about it. He acts like he made himself cool. He acts like he made himself rich. And it's disgusting because he didn't. Well, we do the same thing when we brag. We act like we are here because of us. We're cool because of us. We move and have our being because of us. We're acting like that rich kid who did it himself. When we've done nothing without Christ, we can do nothing. It's disgusting. It's disgusting denial of reality. Now, let me put it even more pragmatically. How, how do we do this sometimes? Well, we do this when we don't listen to our Creator. We don't listen to our God. There are times when we pragmatically say, I don't have time for, don't want to listen to the Bible today. I don't want to listen to my husband today. I'm not going to listen to my wife today. I'm not going to listen to my kids today. I'm not going to listen to my parents today. I'm not going to listen to my boss today. And the reason I'm not going to listen to any of those people is because I already know what to do. A little arrogance there, right? I already know how to do it. I already am smart enough, big enough, great enough. Disgusting denial of reality. We are nothing apart from God and from Christ. And who made the Word of God, Christ, for our direction? Who gave us our husband and our wife and our kids and our parents and our boss? These are people that God has surrounded us with to speak through to us. And by saying we don't want to listen to anyone else because we already know it, that's kind of stubbornness and arrogance removes us away from our Creator who has made us and designed all of those to speak into our lives. Discussing that we would turn our back on the one who is seeking to speak into us and make us the lovers we need to be. Second, not only disgusting denial of reality, but a disgusting dimming of the radiance that's supposed to come out of us because of regeneration, um, not just creation. We're created for God's glory. Scripture speaks about that in Revelation 4.11, that all of God's creation gives him praise. But of those of us who have been regenerated, saved by God's grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Love this passage. It gives us this description of how we just radiate as a result of God's saving work. Ephesians 2 beginning at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy. Now I want to get you to verse 7, so hang on. God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and He raised us up with Him, and He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And here's this purpose clause. So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God says, I have you here to show forth, show 
people, show others, for you to radiate the surpassing riches of my kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. I was thinking about that this week as uh, I had a friend saying, hey, David, you, you know, you were really pretty good at that. You really did a good job. And, and I, I, I was thinking about this verse. I said, no, no, no. I said, I have been gifted by God. Everything has come down to, to me from God. God is, I said, let's just quit thinking about the skill set. Let's just think about the grace that was given to me in regeneration. I am a new man because of Christ. I was trying to think through how can I boast about Christ and show forth the surpassing riches of His grace. And so the conversation quickly turned to where the focus was on Jesus. And it became a lot less disgusting and a lot more easy to bear, really, the conversation. There's just times when you start talking about yourself, but so much that it just... Everybody's disgusted with it, and they're ready to move on. But when you turn it to Christ, it's like, wow, that's kindness. That's glorious. That's good, and that's, that's what God has designed us to do. So think through how we can boast more and more in our regeneration. Look at Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse passage before Ephesians. Galatians 6. I don't know if the air-conditioned vents got moved this week or what, but my Bible's just flying all over the place, so I'm trying to keep up with my pages. Galatians chapter 6, let me read to you from Galatians 6, verse 14, excuse me, 14 and 15. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation and those who will walk by this rule peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God what a great passage Paul says I've gotten a lot of good things but it's it's like I'm dead to all of that now because of Christ Christ has shown me a whole new world uh, and this new world is life in him he says, let me boast about that Think through ways you can change your conversations. It's just disgusting when it's always about you, isn't it? It's always about just a person, and we're taking God out of the picture. When God has done the most significant thing to our lives that's ever going to happen here on earth, that regeneration work of filling us with His Spirit. Let's think about every time we take God out of the picture, we're dimming the picture. We're making it old news, dull news, disgusting news. Third, a disgusting deadening of relationships. There in Galatians, look at chapter 5, verse 26. Galatians 5, 26. Think about how it deadens relationships. Verse 26 says, Let us not become boastful, challenging one another. Well, the challenging one another is describing that boastful. When you're boasting, you're challenging one another. Uh, I'm better than you. Oh, that's, see, that's a challenge. I can do that better than you. That's a challenge. As soon as you start boasting, what did you create? You created an opponent. What do you want to do with an opponent? Do you want to get intimate with an opponent? No. You want to crush them. 
You want to take them out. How many times are marriages falling apart because of arrogance and, and pride? We, we boast, I could do that better. I say that to my wife all the time. I say, I could cook that meal better. Right. <laughs> she, she, she just laughs because she's, no, you couldn't. You know. It's on. You know, did, when you got opponents, you're ready to fight. You're not ready to love. It's a challenge. And instead of learning to love one another, many times we're challenging one another. And we're trying to take people out just because we want to boast and be arrogant. Um, it hurts relationships. There's no intimacy that way. Um, we've got to learn to be honest. Yeah. You probably can do that better. I messed it up last time. Share your sins. Share your mistakes. First uh, John um, chapter 1. I, I just love the honesty concerning fellowship in this verse. Let me read it to you. First John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, we don't practice the truth, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. The truth is not in us. Just think about relationship principles there. It's like be, screaming this message, be honest. If, if you say you... Love Jesus, act like you love Jesus. If you're not acting like you love Jesus, acknowledge that you're sinning. Be honest about it. When you're honest about it, when you acknowledge your sin, when you confess your sin, you seek forgiveness from your sin, it builds intimacy, it builds fellowship. When you boast, not, I never did that. And you either create a challenge, an opponent, or you just become disgusting and it's not creating intimacy. It's not helping you be a good lover at all. It becomes disgusting. So it's a disgusting deadness that it brings to relationships. Number four, a disgusting delay of re reconciliation. A disgusting delay of reconciliation. Um, you could be moving so much faster in your sanctification, in your life with Christ. Were it not for pride, were it not for arrogance. Sometimes we, we think we've got all these problems that we've got to deal with, and really, sometimes it's only one. It's pride, it's arrogance, it's boasting. Uh, Mark Twain said one time that um, uh, temper gets you into a problem, and pride keeps you there. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, a lot of things can get you into trouble. But pride really keeps us there. Once we're there, we, we're too proud to get out, to acknowledge our sin, and to move forward. Now, Mark Twain's not our authority. Look at Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. Look to God's Word. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who conceals... His transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them 
will find compassion. See, we do something, we don't want to fess up, we don't want to acknowledge, we don't want to confess, we don't want to repent because of pride and arrogance. It's keeping us in that problem. We're concealing it. We're saying we're better than everyone knows we are. And because of that, we're not finding compassion. We're not finding the compassionate work of Christ through us. We're not getting sanctified. Sanctification can happen a lot quicker if we learn to deal with our arrogance and our pride. If you feel like I'm stuck, I'm just not moving on. A lot of times the issue is this, arrogance. There's something I won't admit. There's something I refuse to acknowledge. There's something I won't turn loose of. I won't confess it. I want to conceal it. I want to embrace it. When I know I should give it up, we give it up. Then we grow and we grow. Reconciliation happens between us and God and between us and others. So what can we do? Those are things. Develop a disgust for those things. Learn to say, yeah, I need to review those scriptures until all of that's disgusting. And then let's get on the positive side of this. Um, What can we do to destroy bragging and arrogance? Well, number one, let's presume who we are. We're humans. God's not. God's our creator. We talked about that from the negative side. But let's presume now on the positive side who we are in Christ. We are not God. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Man, sobering words. Every one of us is not to think more highly of himself than he ought. We all have been given things. I'm not saying we're just completely nothing. We've been given gifts. We've been given abilities. We've been given a measure of faith. That's significant. We have been given the image of God. We are to be respected and respect others. We're not to to trash ourselves or others. But think of ourselves rightly. Remember who we are. We are created beings. Be honest with God. Be honest with others. What I have, I've been given. I've been gifted by God. Um, We brag lots of times to make up for insecurities. We don't need to do that. We are enough in Christ. We've been given a measure of faith. We have what we need. Acknowledge that, and you don't have to to boast yourself up. You don't have to be arrogant. You don't have to be braggy. Uh, Christ is enough. Being a child of God is a the most wonderful, significant privilege. Um, we don't need more than that. Number two, perceive, perceive not only our human position, but let's perceive God's uh, glorious position over us. Uh, It's a proud one who claims to have it all in himself. Uh, I've said it already. Uh, You probably know the verse, James 1, verse 7. Every, excuse me, James 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. What we have has been given to us by God. Remember God's glorious 
huge position. You've probably, most of you have been in an airplane at some times. If you're first time in an airplane, you look down, especially on a city, and everything looks so small. And you, sometimes it's so small, you can't hardly even see a, a, a vehicle that's much bigger than a person. If the plane's flying lower, you still see, that's amazing what I can see. I can see the whole city at one shot. Well, God can see the whole world at one shot. And when you think about God's vision, His ability to see all of us at one time, not only does it remind us how big God is, but how incredible His eyesight to be able to have that kind of vantage point and see us in all our detail. Again, let me just take you back. I did this some weeks ago. Job 38, beginning at verse 4. Just love this passage. It's a passage that we need to go back to time and time again because it reminds us of this relationship we have with God that's, that's crucial for us to develop. Job 38, beginning at verse 4. God's the one speaking. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Again, tell me if you're so smart, you got it all figured out, you're such a big shot, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? And you're like, uh, nowhere. Verse 5, who set its measurements since you know so much? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Where were you? God was there, but we were not. Verse 8. Or who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb. When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. And I placed boundaries on it and I set a bolt and doors. And I said, this is as far as you're coming. No further. And here shall your proud waves stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Great passage. Goes on for another chapter. Um, but just, you begin to see, man, God is huge. He's over everything. Made everything. Created Everything. Uh, you remember, was it Mac Davis, that old country song? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. You know, that's the way it went. Well, I thought, you know, Mac Davis, obviously nobody had ever read to him Job 38. If he had seen Job 38, if he knew God, he would say, oh, Lord, it's hard to be arrogant it's hard to be proud when you're so small in every way God didn't make big shots he made little squirts okay compared to God as huge as he is he's magnificent and glorious and great and if we continue on this path of arrogance and bragging is a clear indication we don't know him. Christian love is filled with an ability to boast about Christ, not about ourselves, because Christ is worthy. And we lose our arrogance and we lose our pride 
the more we are in the presence of God. Get into Job 38 and 39 and 40. If, if you need more of God, begin to meditate on, on His greatness and His glory. Number three, let's pursue a humble practice. A humble practice. How, how do I start acting more and more humble? As I thought about that, Jesus had a message to the Pharisees about their lack of humility. Look at it in Matthew chapter 23. One of the um, passages where Jesus is starting to really let into the Pharisees, but just before he, he really gives it to them, it's like he gave them some hope that you, that you could be less proud and less arrogant. Matthew chapter 23, right there in the middle, verse 10, verse through 12, says, Do not be called leaders, for one's your leader, that's Christ, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. There's the key. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Well, he begins to tell the Pharisees, hey, you want to be, you want to make some progress? Why don't you focus on being a servant? You're focusing on leadership. You're focusing on being somebody's proud and arrogant. You need to focus on servanthood. And when you focus there, you're going to start growing. Well, they didn't, and, uh, but there is one who did. The Apostle Paul. Think about Paul, the Apostle Paul for a moment. And his frequent descriptions of himself. The Apostle Paul, if anybody had a reason to boast or be arrogant or proud of what he knew and saw and accomplished, it was Paul. I mean, Paul was an extremely intelligent being even before he got saved he had memorized his bible he 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 had studied philosophy he knew so much when god embraced him on that damascus road extremely intelligent he was a strong leader could get permission to kill people literally he had that kind of power and that kind of influence and then God saves him and fills him with the Spirit and makes him the greatest preacher of the New Testament, the greatest writer, uh, church planner. Hundreds and thousands uh, are getting saved. Churches are starting. People are being healed if, if, if Paul just walks by them. I mean, what power? And then God calls him up to the third heaven and says, let me show you heaven. I mean, Paul could sit here literally and say, I can, I can tell you a thing or two. And he could boast about it. He's been places, done things none of us have been to or done. And God says, Paul, I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh. We're going to fix this arrogance. We're going to fix this pride. Because you, you know too much. You've got too much. And affliction is going to keep you humble. It's going to keep you from this arrogance. But thinking about that servanthood, look over it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. Paul got it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. This description Paul gives. It says, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants. Because that's, that's, that sums up my life. I've got two things to do. Proclaim Christ and serve you. So that, that's, that's my life now. 
to talk about Jesus and to be your servant. Wow. That's, that's a way to begin to practice humility is a focus that's clearly on Christ and a focus that is clearly on serving those around you. It's completely removes you from thinking about yourself, boasting and arrogance and all of that. Paul learned it. He learned to have value in God. He learned to have value in ministry to others. And that's how he focused his life. Number four, let's promote God's honorable prominence. Oh, you know, life needs some boasting. A life is, is really dull without a little bit of boasting. But I loved uh, Joe's introduction to his prayer you know life really picked up in that story when you quit boasting about fish and started boasting about jesus Amen. you know and of course it was not joe it was sam that was there you know saying you know life really began life changed with jesus and we can learn how to proclaim him uh, acknowledge him first uh, corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 31. Let me see if I can get there. Uh, you have this verse. You have it several places in the Bible, but let me give you one of them. So it says, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 31, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we're going to boast. Life's dull without boasting. I need to boast about something. So let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let that be our focus. Uh, think about, what can I boast about Christ? How can I boast of Christ this week? How can I boast of Christ? What has Christ done? What has Christ shown me as I've been reading the Bible? What, is, what prayers has Christ answered? How can I share that? Show forth the surpassing riches of His grace to me, to my kids, to my spouse, to my boss, to people I meet. Let the one who boasts, boast in Christ. Um, we need some boast. Ask yourself, evaluate, when was the last time you boasted in Christ? And see, it's not that you have to preach some particular passage every time. It's just acknowledging, I am who I am by the grace of Christ. And I do what I do by the grace of Christ. And let me tell you, that the reason this tastes so good is because I've tasted of the Lord and I've seen His mercy working through me. I mean, you can acknowledge Christ in your meal. You can acknowledge Christ in your labors. You can acknowledge Christ in your relationships. Let Him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Proclaim God's prominence in your life. Number five, procure God's holy power. Um, how do you get God's holy power? You have to be filled with His Spirit. We had an example of it in Tia as you were singing. You were filled with the Spirit. It overwhelmed you, didn't it? And that happens to me many times as I'm singing. That's why I sit on the front. You can't see my tears. You know, that my face is just welling up with tears. Am I overwhelmed? Because people have taken such careful time to to craft a song with, with such beauty. It shows us the glory of Christ. And as we sing it, it, there's so many times the Spirit of God fills us. And it empowers us 
to speak for Christ, to live for Christ, to deny ourselves and promote Christ. Now, let me give you the scripture for that. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, excuse me, chapter 5, 18 through 21. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. It's also found in Colossians 3. But Ephesians 5, let me begin, verse 18. It says, do not get drunk with wine. That's dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. So this is something you can do. You can be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another. So how are you getting filled? By speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This filling of the Spirit happens as the people of God gather on the Sabbath day. And we come not forsaking the assembly. We get into the assembly and the Spirit of God who's given each one of us a gift begins to flow through us as we sing. Because as we sing a song, as we sing a hymn, we begin to speak to one another, not just to God. We are declaring God, but we're declaring God to each other. Many times we're directly talking to God. Other times we're talking to one another. But all of that is being pushed and motivated. I mean, some of you will tell me, David, I can't sing, but boy, that was a good song. What's happening? That's the Spirit who did that to you. Why did non-singers gather to sing? Because the Spirit is in us and moves through us. I must talk about Jesus. I must boast in Christ. I must proclaim Him. And as we do that, we affect one another with a spiritual filling that doesn't take place when we're isolated, when we're alone. This filling of us strengthens us. It equips us. It keeps us from arrogance and boasting that we know it all and we know what we need to do. And it, it brings us back to Christ and His Word in a very humble, servant kind of way. Just, you know, until you're a believer and dwell in the house of God with His people, it's like, I don't know what He's talking about. But once you're in Christ and you're, you're in this assembly, you begin to say, man, I miss it when I'm not here. I have to be in my Father's house with His people because there's a strengthening there. There's, a, there's a something spiritual that happens there. It doesn't happen elsewhere. And we need it so to get God's power. Without God's power, we lose it. I tell people, Mark and I talk about it all the time in counseling. We have people come to us from outside the church say, can you counsel us? And we typically try to make a requirement after the first or second time. Said, we will only continue counseling you if you come to church and get in a small group. Because if you don't do that, you're asking us to counsel without power. There's power in the body of Christ. You will be sharpened. You'll be strengthened. You'll be filled. You'll be affected by the body of Christ, which is why it's so sad. When people are going through problems, they leave the church. It's like, ah. 
You're leaving power. You're leaving the very thing that could change you and transform you into the image of Christ and make you that glorious person you're looking for. To see that if we're going to destroy something as powerful as pride, you've got to be getting into the presence of God and you've got to be filled with His Spirit. And that happens as you get into the Word of God as it's proclaimed. It happens as you get into the sacraments. It happens as you get into the Lord's Supper. It happens as you get into God's people. You're getting connected to God, getting filled with His power, and it's making you less and less arrogant, more and more humble, and more and more effective as His ambassador. Praise God. You know, I, I often think the people who are, are bragging... You know, you know how an empty glass or an empty barrel, it makes a lot more noise than a glass or a barrel that's full. A braggart makes a lot of noise. It's because they're empty. They're just empty. Get filled up with Jesus. Get filled up with God's Spirit. You don't make a lot of noise anymore about yourself. You start talking about Jesus. And the glorious things he's doing in your life. Bragging and arrogance just really don't help us love. Interesting verse. I'm going to kind of end with this. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's a qualification of an elder. And you wouldn't think about this. But it's just a little interesting point mentioned about an uh, elder qualification. That I think helps a little bit with understanding arrogance and boasting. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And not, meaning don't let an elder be one of these. And, and don't let an elder be a new convert. A new convert. Huh. So why? He tells it. So that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And just think about that statement. He's describing a new convert. A new convert, somebody who's just recently become a Christian. You don't want your elder to be one of those. Why? Because they have the tendency, a new convert, not an elder. A, a new convert has the tendency to continue boasting. To being conceited. Up until the time of your, our conversion, we don't have anything to boast about but us. We get conceited. We get self-centered. It's all about us. After conversion, it starts becoming about Christ. You want an elder who's a leader in it being about Christ. A new convert's not there yet. Our tendency as a new convert is to continue to use our old life and boast about it. And it's interesting also, it compares that to the devil. What was the devil's problem? What caused him to fall from heaven at its glory? was arrogance, was conceit into the pits of hell. This is definitely something we want to throw off, all of our boasting and our arrogance. Satan's failure in that made him an angel in heaven that fell into the, the misery of his life forever and ever. If you're a non-Christian here, you know, I, I'm... I can make a statement that's absolutely true, and that's this about you. As a non-Christian, you are not good at loving God. 
Not at all. Something you cannot do. And you know it. You don't love God. And you're not good at loving God. And you will never be good at loving God. Why? Because arrogance and pride will never be love. Love is not arrogant. Love is not boasting. It's not proud. If you want to be good at loving God, a holy God, you must receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say, change my heart. Give me Christ that I might boast in something other than myself. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for teaching us more about what love is. We thank you for providing 1 Corinthians 13 as a better way, a way out of conflict, a way out of oppression and depression, a way out of constantly finding ourselves to be insignificant. Father, thank you so much for these truths. Sanctify us in them. Grow us. May we throw off this morning. May we repent and turn from our arrogant boastfulness in ourselves instead of in Christ. We ask that you would enable us to be pricked by your spirit even now and this week to find ways to acknowledge Christ, to show forth the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Father, for those who need you, for those who want to and desire to be a better lover, may they come to Christ now and receive you, Lord, as their Lord and as their Savior. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.